This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is, <laughs> does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. I'm thinking about who I wanted to talk to when it came to these wildlife killing contests or predator killing contests from the hunter's perspective. There's only one name that I had to speak with, and that was John Bear. John Bear is a part of the Blood Origins family and someone I trust to speak the truth. You see, I have no experience when it comes to predator hunting. I have no experience when it comes to predator killing contests. But I knew John had, and I knew that John would be okay with me pressing the issue. I knew he would be okay with me saying, Explain it to me. Because that's what we need to do. We as hunters need to explain why we do certain things. And predator control, predator management, predator hunting is one of those things that we absolutely have to understand why we do it. Well, typically, as I said, you are... When I have issues with predators, they're not issues like... Issues in my backyard. You are the individual that I thought of first. 
you know, as soon as you open your mouth, everyone's going to know who you are. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I wanted to have a very straightforward conversation, obviously, about this whole predator wildlife killing contest debacle that's happening, right? There's a lot of anti-hunting sentiment right now. There's a lot, there's a video out there. There's a trailer out there. Um, we have podcasted with the filmmaker and he had a lot to say. I think we spoke for like an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> he's a very, he's a very energetic individual, a uh, very passionate guy. He's a very passionate guy for wildlife. You know, he loves wildlife. John, you are a predator hunter. Yep. Before I go any further, because I typically, again, I te I'm terrible at introducing people. So just introduce yourself for, for the audience. Uh, my name's John Bear. I'm uh, sitting in my home in Springville, Utah. I, uh, I've been involved with uh, hunting, pro hunting causes, wildlife management issues uh, for my whole life and uh, I am an avid, avid predator hunter. So that's my favorite thing to do, hunt predators of all kinds. So good to be and with you. And that's why I reached out to you because we did yep. your Blood Origins episode. That was your thing. Mm -hmm. That coyote hunting specifically, right? In mm -hmm. terms of predator hunting is your deal. Yep. So I'm going to, again, as you know me, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an open, honest, kind of guy and this is going to be an open honest conversation of course uh, i have never predator hunted i have hunted and again this is where things sort of terminology really makes a big deal i've trapped mm -hmm. coyotes i've trapped for bobcats i've trapped for coons i've trapped for possums for quail and turkey here locally with the boys and whatnot mm -hmm. i can't technically say that i hunted for those things because you know, trapping, I believe, is almost this thing to itself, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, I, I would, I would, uh, I would say trapping is, you know, a whole nother world. It takes an incredible amount of skill and knowledge and woodsmanship and, you know, really, uh, it's an art form that is oftentimes learned and passed on through generations. And, uh, you know, I love to trap. I would be lying if I told you I was very good at it, but it's, you know, I really enjoy it. So I technically, so, so laying that groundwork, I have trapped mm -hmm. predators. I have never hunted predators. I've never gone out, you know, with a rifle, with a call. Um, I've told you I'd, I'd love to do it. Well, hopefully one day me and you can sit on a hillside and do it. Um, of course. And, um, so let me ask this question, because obviously I asked you this question in your Blood Origins episode, but I wasn't specific. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you then, why do you predator hunt? And maybe specifically, let me ask you, why do you coyote hunt? I got into coyote hunting when I was really young. I grew up on a, uh, on a sheep ranch down in central Utah. And, you know... Uh, my great-grandpa, my grandpa, my dad, my family still is the largest uh, sheep operators in the state of Colorado, my cousins out there, and coyotes are an issue. I mean, they are an extremely prolific uh, hunter and killer, 
They are very hardy. They can survive anywhere. You know, they say, you know, after the nuclear war, there'll be cockroaches and coyotes left because they can survive anything. And, uh, you know, coyote hunting is something that we got into. Not only do I love matching wits with a coyote, and I, it's something I thoroughly enjoy, but it was, you know, it was part, basically it was part of the family business is you had to manage the predators and keep them out of the lamb and pastures. And, uh, you know, it was, it was just part of the, it, it was as much of, of the uh, sheep ranch in life as fixing fences and irrigating the fields. So, you know, that's how, that's how I got into it. Uh, I still predator hunt. Well, I haven't predator hunted this week. I haven't coyote hunted this week, but uh, that tells you about how often I do it every chance I get. So. so let me ask this. Let's talk. I want to specifically keep to the agricultural theme for a second. Sure. One of the things that uh, the studies that this guy brings up mm-hmm. is that USDA has shown that, and, and, I, and I pointed something out to him, but I wanted to lay the groundwork again for you. The mm-hmm. USDA did a study across the US that there's less than 1% mortality due to predators in the agricultural industry. And I said, I haven't seen that study, number one. And number two, if you take it as an aggregate, I can see that. But when you look at it on a regional level, when you look at it at a local scale, the numbers are not that. You know, I know a USDA NRCS study that has shown that predators, specifically coyotes, take out almost 50% or 60% of cow, cattle, and calves on an annual basis. And so I want to ask you, and you don't have science, you have anecdotal evidence of your farm and your ranch. What do you think the number of, of lambs taken out on an annual basis would be? Oh, let me let's start that. What what is the typical oh, credit account that take out lambs every you know, year? You you uh, if you're asking me a percentage, I don't I don't have a specific percentage, but I can give you some instances. Yeah. Uh, we get up one morning, we ride up on the hill uh, with my dad here. It's only a couple of years ago, and he rode over and he says, "You see this draw right here? This we call it a draw. Some people call it a coulee. Some people call it, you know a canyon." And he said. Uh, he said, when I had my herd of sheep right here, he said, you know, several years ago when I was up here, he said, I rode up here and he said, there was an old female coyote that had a batch of pups down in these ledges right here. And he said she had 14 dead lambs that she'd killed right there that night. Now, when you have several hundred sheep and you're raising lambs, you know, and selling them off and in one night you sustain that kind of loss, it's significant. That, that's one night. Uh, a good friend of mine down in San P County where I grew up called my dad last year to come help him with a coyote problem. He had his sheep between, he lived about a quarter mile off the main highway. He had his sheep right out in front of his house in a pasture. And in the matter of, uh, you know, like two nights, his purebred Rambouillet breed stock, you lambs that he was raising to supplement his herd, you know, he loses seven and eight of them in a couple days. You know, those are, you, you go to the sale, you buy those, they cost four or five, $600 as, as yearlings. Uh, you know, that is significant. And so if you look at the, you know, at the U.S. as a whole and all the, all the livestock, well, a lot of that livestock may not be 
you know, susceptible to predation because it, you know, you look, a lot of cows live in a feedlot, you know, That's and so I think, I very think those point. numbers, uh, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, that logic and how he quantifies that. I, you know, I can, I can tell you right now as a young kid growing up when you have, uh, you know, a, a small herd of sheep that you're trying to get going and start yourself and, and the coyotes just continually, you know, pick your herd apart. Uh, it, it is significant. It is very significant. And I'll just tell you this, the, uh, it's significant enough that the state of Nevada right next to us spends. Oh, and I had the number right on the tip of my tongue. It'll come to me in a minute, but they kill thousands of coyotes every year out of an airplane out of a helicopter to try to suppress the predation on the livestock industry not just the livestock industry the wildlife predation you know the lambing grounds the fawning ground or the lambing grounds for bighorn sheep the fawning grounds for mule deer you know we've done a lot of studies right here in the state of utah where we go out we catch the the fawns when they're a couple days old uh put a collar on them follow them when they get a mortality signal we go see what killed them and i'm here to tell you anybody that thinks that coyotes specifically don't have much of an impact they need to do some more homework because it is an it is a devastatingly significant amount what do you think would happen to predator hunting coyote hunting if say let's use the nevada example mm -hmm. that the, the state or the government didn't help. Oh, it would, you know, I can't even, Robbie, I can't even begin to imagine the losses that the wildlife would suffer, you know, and, 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 the, and the agriculture. And the reason, you know, and it's not just indiscriminate, you know, just fly anywhere you can, uh, you know, and shoot any coyote that runs. The states are very specific and very calculated about where they do their predator management. Uh, here in Utah, we've done, you know, quite a few studies that show if you put very concentrated pressure on coyotes on fawning grounds, you know, at a you're specific collect, time of the year. Yeah, at specific times of the year, like the state does, uh, you know, you're gonna take the coyotes that are putting the pressure on those fawns when they're the most susceptible to predation. And it has a definite positive impact on the number of fawns that survive. Same with, uh, you know, bighorn sheep lambs. When you look at, uh, you know, the, the predation, especially that mountain lions can do, if you go in and put the pressure on the predators, the coyotes, the mountain lions, on those lambing grounds, you know, it helps those lambs grow up to a certain point. And the bigger they get, you know, the more hardy they are and the more likely they are to survive, uh, you know, predation. Uh, if if the states didn't uh you know try to uh help out the agriculture industry help out the uh the wildlife numbers it, it would be a sad day for our bighorn sheep it'd be a very sad day for our deer and uh the livestock industry would really take a hit really oh. take a hit. so i'm going to play devil's advocate and okay. um <laughs> you know me and, and I got lambasted today about this whole word called devil's advocate. 
That's all right. And I think that people don't understand that. I give hunters harder time than anyone because I expect hunters to think more than anyone. Sure. Because we're pressured so much. John, are we not valuing the life of a bighorn sheep and a deer over the value of a, the life of a coyote when we think about it that way? No. No, we're not. And I'll tell you why. Uh, back in the, uh, and I'm, and I'm going to kind of speak a little broader here back in the, uh, here in Utah, I believe it was the end of the 1960s. If I remember right, it was the sportsman that brought about regulation on lion hunting and bear hunting. They saw that it was, uh, that it was necessary to regulate the number of permits and how many animals were killed. Now they still wanted to keep pressure on them, but they did not want them to disappear. They did not want to eradicate them. Uh, there's very specific laws on how we can hunt them, when we can hunt them. Uh, with coyotes, with lions, with bears, they're an extremely hardy animal. Bighorn sheep and mule deer are not. I'm here to tell you, Mule deer will die of spite. Bighorn sheep are the same way. You, you know, if you look you at look them, at them differently, their, right? Yeah, you look at them and hurt their feelings, and and it's like they tip over dead because you know they felt bad. We're not. Uh, you can you can hunt coyotes until you burn the barrel out of your gun, and the next year you still have coyotes. They are extremely hardy. They're prolific reproducers. Uh, you know they. Well, they have the densely dependent life history strategy in which, you know, less coyotes on the landscape means more resources for yep. the mother. That means she's going to den and litter 12 to 14 pups versus more coyotes on the landscape, smaller litters. One to well, you pups. know, and, and there's been some discussion about that. And, and I've had some very in-depth discussion about that with biologists. You know, do they actually have fewer pups? Well, because of maybe the condition of the mother when they go into the den or when they breed. And also, you know, there's some biologists that believe that, the, you know, the litter sizes are, are a lot the same every year, but because of the food source and the uh, carrying capacity of the landscape, you know, it determines how many of those pups actually survive. So I guess it ends up the same place. You know, if you, ha if you have carrying capacity, you have a good food source, you know, more pups survive and, and the coyotes continue to multiply. If you don't, you know, there's some, uh, some data that shows, you know, the coyote population lags the, the rabbit population uh, by a couple of years. The, you know, bobcats are known to do the same thing. Uh, the lion population will lag the deer population a little bit. Uh, but are we valuing deer and bighorn sheep and elk and whitetail and, and small game and everything else over coyotes? No, we're not. Now, it, it's all a matter of management. It's all a matter of, of balance. And uh, if you look throughout history, Robbie, you will see that Mother Nature, if we leave it up to Mother Nature, Mother Nature manages on a boom and bust scale. Okay, the, the, if you don't manage the predators, Mother Nature manages the predators, the predators explode. They, uh, they push the, uh, the prey species into the predator pit to where they can't recover. 
then the the predator numbers follow them and you know would it eventually the, the coyotes the predators and whatnot would their numbers eventually drop because of lack of food they would it takes years and years and years for mother nature's process to work uh as wildlife managers as sportsmen with predator management deer management elk management all those things you know I don't want my kids to go through a big portion of their life and not be able to hunt deer, not be able to hunt bighorn sheep, not be able to hunt coyotes. So as managers, we try to keep it kind of on the ebb and flow. You know, maybe keep the peaks uh, of predators from getting so high so that the numbers of ungulates, deer, elk, bighorn sheep don't have to get so low and we don't have to manage through that boom and bust cycle. So no, I don't think we value one more than the other. I think that. Uh, you know, I, I spend many more days and many more dollars every year hunting predators in the field just because it's what I enjoy to do than I ever have hunting deer. And I love to hunt deer. So is one more valuable? If I got up on the stage as an auctioneer and sold you a, a, a coyote permit, it, you know, it probably wouldn't bring very much. But I can sell you a deer permit sometimes for three or $400,000, that money goes into projects that help support the deer population, the deer management, in turn, providing habitat and food source for predators. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's kind of hard to, to divorce the two things. Sure, sure. And I don't think we value one over the other. So let me ask this sort of poignant question. Okay. Do you want to see coyotes wiped off the landscape? No, I, they're my favorite thing to hunt. I don't want to see them gone. I don't want to see them gone. I want to see them managed. And I definitely know that there's uh, times of the year where if you can put pressure on them more so than others, you know, it helps the, the ungulate populations. But no, I don't want to see them gone. And uh, I know that, uh, you know, kind of talking about the contests, mm -hmm. it, if, if you would go participate in one of these contests, I took my, uh, my daughter when she was about 12 years old and we participated in a contest that we call the youth, the Utah youth coyote hunting competition. What it is, is it's an opportunity to get your kids together. We go out, you know, everybody goes and hunts coyotes for a day. We get together at the end of the day, we have a banquet, the kids write essays. There's a, a writing contest about the experiences they had the year before with their families. And the actual, uh, the actual number of coyotes that are brought in is, you know, is very negligible. The opportunity you have to get all those kids together to teach them to hunt, to teach them to, to learn and understand, you know, coyote behavior and, and whatnot is, is really quite amazing. My, my daughter looked forward to that every year. We won it one year. She's got a little plaque that, you know, says first place. She thought that was great to have that experience with her dad. But it seems like when you add the word contest in front of it, let me tell you how I hunt coyotes different in a contest than I do when I'm just out, you know, if me and Jan are just out on the desert for a mm -hmm. day hunting coyotes, mm -hmm. I don't do one thing different. I make more stands. I'm probably a little more... Uh, intense. It probably stings a little more if I miss. Uh, I'm going to get up a little earlier and make sure I don't waste one minute of daylight. Uh, but I, the, 
the process that I go through to call in the coyote, to try to fool the coyote, to shoot the, I use the same gun, I use the same camo, I use the same call, uh, I, I sit in the same kind of place. What you're really doing is, uh, you know, when you say contest, you're getting a bunch of your buddies together, you're all going out the same day and you're having an opportunity to kind of compete against each other a little bit. And uh, I, I don't do one thing different than I do when I'm just joy hunting, you know, just in, or pleasure hunting, whatever you want is to call it. Is your mentality different, John? Is your difference, like, I know you said to me, you, you love to hunt coyotes mm -hmm. because you like to, to match your wits against that animal. And you also like, and I'm, I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth here, sure. that you also like it from the fact that you are putting a management, you're acting as a manager on the population. Yeah. That's how coyote contests got started years and years ago, is it was a tool to get people interested and to get them out on the, on the landscape to manage coyotes. That's where it all came about that, you know, it's, to, to be able to say, to be able to say, well, I went out and shot however many coyotes and that you're matching your wits against the coyotes and you're matching your wits against your buddies that you love that, you know, and my, I've, I've competed against family members with family members, you know, and you're kind of putting your skills against theirs. But for some reason, when you put the, the word contest or competition in front of there, people think that all of a sudden your morals and your ethics just go out the window and it's just kill at all costs. Let me you tell don't you think how that contests and the idea of coming out and competing and killing for fun, quote unquote, brings out questionable. Let me let me couch it this way: Does it bring out questionable ethics in people like you? Let me. Or does let it me bring explain. in That's questionable individuals? Let, let me let me because every time I go coyote hunting, okay, I hunt coyotes because I enjoy it. That's the number one reason I do it. Now, does it benefit the deer? It does. I know it does, but I, I don't do it because it's a chore. I do it because I love it and I enjoy it. And it's my favorite thing to hunt. Okay. Can you break down that enjoyment and love? Sure. It's, and let, let me, let me finish answering your question. Yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Okay. You pull up to the, to the, uh, before you go to the contest, you know, you pull up, they have uh, a rules that everybody has to abide by. Before you can go out, you have to, to uh, read the rules. Everybody, you know, rule number one is always obey every game law. You know, it'll tell you the hours. You know, if, if you're hunting in a state where night hunting is illegal, it's illegal to night hunt during the competition. If it's illegal to shoot off a paved road in the competition, in the contest, it's illegal to shoot off a paved road. When you come back, they randomly select different individuals or teams and they give you a lie detector test to see if, so you know, even whether, you know, you come out on top of the competition or not, there's a chance you're going to be hooked up to a lie detector test and asked, did you break any game laws? Did you hunt within the, you know, the, the rules of the, of the event? So, you know, this, to this notion that all of a sudden it, it's just, you know, kill at all costs. No, it's not. Ethics, rules, regulation are all extremely important. And that's, uh, that's part of, of every event I've ever been part of. Now, 
what what do I get out of hunting coyotes? Why do I enjoy hunting coyotes? First off, they're the smartest critter on the on the landscape, if you ask me. Okay, they. Uh, I was hunting in Alberta with some good friends of mine, uh, and I one on the Indian Reserve up there, the Blood Indian Reserve, and I asked Josh, the guide that we were hunting with, I says, "What's the uh, what's the Indian word for coyote?" And he told me it was kind of long. I can't remember it. And I said, "What does that mean?" And he said, "In in." Uh, in Blackfoot, it means trickster. And I, and I thought, well, that's, that's a pretty accurate name. And he goes, he goes, you watch. He said, anytime you see a coyote trotting through the field, they always look like they know something that you don't want them to know, you know? And, they're in, and I, I think that's a good description of a coyote. They're incredibly smart. They're a very hardy animal. They, uh, you see them eating grass. You see them eating grasshoppers. You see them eating mice songbirds you see them eating sage grouse pheasants uh sounds like you respect the hell out of them you you cannot hunt coyotes and not respect them because i'm here to tell you more often than not the coyote comes out on top I've, i've i've scouted and you know people ask me well how do you know where to go i spend around here in the summer when i hunt that i you know i'll spend two or three nights a week on the mountain scouting listening for howls, looking for tracks and scat in the road before I ever go out and hunt because, you know, you want to figure them out. You think, all right, I know they're, they're in this canyon. The wind's going this way. I'm going to sneak in this way because they always try to wind you. You can't be seen. You can't be skyline. You got to know where to hide your truck. You really got to think it out. And even then, more times than not, you think you have them figured out. You go in. Last year, I had a pair. I thought I had them figured out. I was going to get them. I went in, I sat down, I set my gun down uh, against a sagebrush, and I walked about 10 feet out in front of me, set my Fox Pro down, turned on the switch, and as I was sneaking back to where I was going to sit, the coyote was watching me from across the draw about 150 yards and uh, barked at me and let me know. They'll give you what we call a booger bark, kind of a woof, you know, a little woof, and the game's over. I mean, I threw, I, that coyote sit there and looked at me and I put every call I had in my pocket and, you know, I did everything I could and that coyote sit there and looked at me from behind a bush and every now and again, it'd woof at me like, listen, buddy, I got you. You're busted. I'm not playing your game. That happens so often, Robbie, so often. They are the most cunning, most intelligent animal. And uh, so you asked me, do I want coyotes wiped out? No. Absolutely not. It's my, you know, it's my favorite thing to hunt. Now we don't have to go out and do coyote conservation projects like we do for deer, elk, bighorn, sheep, pheasants, because they're, you know, they're spread like wildfire. They live right in the city with us a lot of places now. So do I respect them? I can't even tell you how much. Do I love to hunt them? Same answer. I can't even tell you how much. Uh, you know, let me ask this. There's yes, sir. I'm gonna. I know we've been dancing around this question and dancing sure. around this issue. So these big predator killing contests, the ones mm-hmm. that are bringing in hundreds mm-hmm. of coyotes, hundreds of foxes. Mm-hmm. If we know that this, and this is where as a scientist, I struggle, right? And I'm being honest with you. Cause, sure. You know, I'm a young hunter. I've never predator hunted. I'm trying to figure out. And obviously I don't want to see hunting disappear for my kids, 
but I also want to, un I want my kids to understand why someone does what they do. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so when I see a predator killing contest that, you know, 15 or 20 are taken off the local landscape and then around the area, I can see that as what we've been talking about, the sort of depression of the numbers to help at that time, the quail and, and the turkey. But when you have hundreds come in, and, you know, I guess the question, you know, I'm talking to someone that loves to hunt. Mm -hmm. I, that has respect, that has ethic, that has ethos. They're unsavory characters that come out of the woodwork when there's $50,000 on the line, right? Any. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, you hear I, me struggling some, here? Yeah, some of the, there's been contests. Uh, well, and there's a couple things I want to say about this, okay? As sportsmen, when we did my Blood Origins thing, I, there's a little quote, a little clip that we play that I say. We every, have wildlife oh, because we hunt wildlife. Well, we have it because we hunt it. And there's another one that I say every, every Instagram post, every Facebook post, everything we do on social media reflects on every hunter, on the whole community, right? 100%. Okay. Do I think it's smart for people to put that kind of content out there that feeds into the the hands of the anti-hunter and puts kind of a, a bad taste in the mouth of of people that might be on the fence about these kind of things about predator hunting you know no i don't and i think you know and i'm not i'm not standing here before you you know completely blameless i've thought about you know pictures i've taken and things i've done you know that probably didn't reflect the, the best on the hunting community but Okay, when you see all those coyotes laid out there, you think, oh my goodness, you know, if, if the contest was based out of, let's say, Little Rock, Arkansas, or just some random place, and there's, you know, there's 200 coyotes there, those 200 coyotes or 300 coyotes or however many it is have been killed everywhere from southern Georgia to probably uh, Indiana, Illinois, Pennsylvania. People spread out seriously. The Eastern contest takes in the whole Eastern half of the United States. So how big of an area? Let's talk, because that, that's fascinating to me, because sure. that clearly is uh, something that is never taken into consideration, is the area in which these coyotes are taken. So you're well, saying it's not just a thousand-acre farm. Oh, no, no, no. All right, no. The... Uh, I know guys uh, in, in a couple of the big uh, events last year, I know guys that hunted Georgia, Mississippi, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia. I mean, teams all over, the whole eastern part. Now, what guys will do, you go out and, and we talk about the impact on farmers and, wh and why, you know, well, we go out and we hunt on farms. That's where these coyotes are coming from, Robbie. These guys are lining up. The eastern half of the country, especially, is all private. Not all of it, but the majority of it is private. You've got to find a landowner that is willing to let you hunt their property. More times than not, it's a, it's a rancher, it's a farmer that has predation issues. So, you know, to, to paint a contest is just blood at all cost, no ethics or anything like that, like some people do. It, it's simply not accurate. It is simply not accurate. Now, if, if some people don't like the idea of it being a contest, you know, I, I can't change that for them. But to, 
I can tell you with 100% certainty, it, it's not, you know, we're all just going to get together in your county and kill every coyote that lives there. That is absolutely not the case. These coyotes come from, there's guys that, uh, you know, travel all night, hunt all day, and then you got to drive all night back to, to where the contest was. You have to have property, you know, lined up. You might kill two coyotes over here on Farmer Jones's property. And you got to hurry and drive a little ways, and you got a couple other fields where they've been having some coyote problems. It's coyote hunting on a huge scale across the country on a day and a half, and at the end of it, everybody gets together. So it's not, it's not, uh, you know, set up the Gatling gun. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal develop high-quality, technically sound products, and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com and kill everything that walks mm -hmm. in a you know in a, in a thousand square miles or in a thousand acres that that's not what it is that is not what it is i uh you know i i've been involved in wildlife management for basically all my life i have raised in a couple different uh aspects of you know my livelihood and that hundreds over 200 million dollars to promote wildlife management. You know, if, if I thought a, a coyote event, a coyote contest was completely unethical and was gonna completely decimate any species, I would have no part of it. And I'm here to tell you, I can tell you 100%, it, it, looking you right in the face as honest as it is, that's not what it is. I have no problem with it. And uh, now do I think as sportsmen, like I'm going back to it, what I said before, as sportsmen, we got to be careful what we put out there. Okay, we got to be careful what we put out there. We, the you know the optics of these things matter. I know what it is. I also can look at some of these pictures and see how it looks. Right. Uh, another thing I'll tell you is is all the contests I've ever been involved in, uh, they have a fur buyer there. You bring your coyotes, you check them in. You know they'll weigh them. They'll take all kinds of biological samples out of them. They'll check them for their health. They'll look at their teeth. They'll see if any of them have mange. If they do, they want to know where it came from because that can indicate a problem in the population, overpopulation or, or uh, you know, a spread of mange, a couple other ways. And then they'll, uh, you know, there's always a fur buyer there that... Uh, Doesn't the, you know, because it's a contest on some, you know, so this is something that the guy discussed. Sure. He was like, you know, given the fact that it's a contest mm -hmm. and that you want to kill as many animals as possible to potentially win money, mm -hmm. you're not really like you. If you were going for a couple of singles, you'd be very uh -huh. accurate in how you shoot versus here. You don't really care. You just want the animal down. No, I, I, that, that's, uh, I totally disagree with that, Robbie. I totally disagree with that. If, you, if you're, and I'll tell you why, if you're in a contest, Time matters, okay? Because you, you got to make as many stands as you can make, okay? Uh, usually, I hunt with a little bigger gun mm -hmm. in a contest mm -hmm. because I don't 
Okay, when I shoot the coyote, I want it to want drop. It to drop. I want do it not to want to wound it, and you do not want it to no, run. Yeah, I don't want it. I don't want to wound it. I don't want it to run. I don't want you know. I want to make sure it doesn't you know run off into somebody's yard. I don't want any kind of incident incidents like that. And uh, you you want it as clean and quick a kill, even and it's it's way more more important than. I would, I shouldn't say it's way more important. I think about it more in a contest because you don't want to spend an hour looking for a coyote that you wounded, you, you know, because that's, that's time loss. That stands you're burning. You want, you want fast, clean kills and to say, you know, and, and people, I, I can understand why somebody might think, well, it's a contest. You know, it's uh it's like, if you're in a car race, you don't pay attention to the stop signs so much, right? You can't do that in a coyote contest. And it, and if you do have enough coyotes to, you know, to be the number one team when you get back to check-in, you have to answer to the lie detector. In these big contests where there's any money on the line, they hook you up to a, either a polygraph or a voice stress analysis, and they will ask you outright. And if you fail, I'm here to tell you, you, can never, you can't show your face around the predator hunting world again because nobody, nobody wants anything to do with you. So it's not, uh, you know, abandon your ethics whatsoever. Uh, it's not, you know, just like I said, you know, strap the Gatling gun to the pickup truck and kill everything. It's just not that way. It's not that way. Now I understand why somebody might look at a, at a picture with a lot of coyotes, but you need to understand those coyotes have come from literally a thousand miles in every direction. And it's not all one state. Now, if now, as, as I say this, if somebody looks at it and says, you know what? I just don't like it. I don't want to be part of it. Well, that's fine. That's fine. I, uh, many years ago, uh, when I was married, uh, my ex-wife wanted to go with me after work one day and I took her hunting. I called in a double. I had my coyote dogs, my decoy dogs. I shot one, the dogs went out and, and, uh, got on the coyote. Another one came in and I shot that one and it worked. It was clock, like clockwork. It was perfect. We get in the truck, we drive home. She didn't say much. The next day I get home from work and she says, uh, she says, I really need to talk to you. I says, all right, go ahead. She goes, I don't want to go anymore. She goes, I have not one problem with you going. I understand the importance of predator management. I understand how you love to hunt, that it's part of your life. She goes, it's not my thing and I don't want to go anymore. How can you not respect that? And I, I have members of my own family you know, my sisters and nieces and nephews that feel the same way. That's fine. Uh, but to say, you know, we need to outlaw this because it's unethical. I just disagree with that. Having, having participated, it, I just disagree with it. And if anything else, you know that you're under the microscope and that it's even more important to be ethical because if not, it's against the rules. You're going to get busted and it could, you know, it could cost you could cost you money, could cost you your hunting rights if the state gets involved, and it could cost you your reputation with your peers. So, you know, I, I just I just disagree with that. Now, once again, going back to it, we get as hunters, we got to be careful how we portray these things. We got to be careful with the content we put out there. But uh, you know, it, and I'll say it again: these things were started, and they are a very valuable predator management tool. Uh, and you know, Do you I think just think the contests as a valuable predator management tool, as we talked about, 
certain places and certain times of the year. Yes, I do. Absolutely. So does that mean that predator contests can happen any time of the year then? Like you know, from that management perspective? I will tell you this, very few of them happen uh, early in the year when they have pups. Mo you know, because like I said, most coyote hunters don't want to, you know, it's kind of unsavory to shoot a, you know, to shoot a, a little pup or a wet female or something like that. That's not what they're about. And uh, in the winter, the fur is, is more valuable. You know, the pups are grown. They're out on, the, they're out on their own. Uh, that's when the deer are struggling and down on the, on the winter range more times than not and, and very susceptible to predation. So now if you go out and, uh, you know, take the state of Nevada, if you go out and hunt the sagebrush and, and uh, put the pressure on the coyotes, whether it's through a contest, whether it's through the state or the federal agencies flying and, and killing coyotes, uh, you know, the result's the same. There's fewer coyotes, which takes pressure off the ungulates. And uh, I, uh, I, I, I just disagree with the premise that it's something that we have to do away with. Do I think we need to be careful how we portray it? Yes, I do. Yeah. But I don't think it's something we need to outlaw or do away with. I just, I just totally disagree with that. So, and that's why I had you on, and that's why I have you on, is that I wanted the, I wanted the other side of the coin, and sure. I totally, one thousand percent agree with you. I think that it's very easy, and as a filmmaker, and I know Felipe would agree with me here, it makes for better filmmaking when you have unsavory individuals that you hang around with, right? And, and the guy, he told me all about the stuff that you have just counted, which mm -hmm. what that, that the ethical hunter, the guy like you, the guy like me, doesn't break laws, wants a clean ethical kill, doesn't want to wipe out, you know, a wet mother kind of deal with pups. That kind of stuff, that would break our heart, right? That would be like, oh, crap, kind of deal. And we would say that. Literally, we would say that. And, and that's why, Robbie, most, you know, these events don't even start until, you know, late fall. Because, you know, the pups are grown, they're out. You know, we talked about trapping. Uh, anybody that traps, other than maybe a government agency, a government trapper that's doing specific predation work, there's a reason that trapping seasons run later in the year. Uh, the fur, first off, that's when the fur is the best. That's when the young of the year are grown and out on their own and can take care of themselves. It's the same with, with coyote hunts. It's the same with these, you know, competitions. Uh, it's just, I, you know, and I'll just say it again. I, I think as hunters, we need to do a better job how we how we portray these things and you know the content we put out there that shows what we've been up to uh but I, I, and i'll stand by it all day long it's not an abandonment of ethics when you say it's a contest i i feel every contest i was ever in i feel like i'm competing against myself if nothing else you know am i am i am i on my best game have i done my homework do i know where these coyotes are do i have them figured out is it going to be a day uh, a lot of times, I think a lot of contests are decided because of the weather where you go. If I drive eight hours one direction and start hunting, and my buddy drives eight hours the other direction, and I'm in a rainstorm, and he has sunny and 60 all day, he's going to have 
a lot better success than I am. Uh, it has nothing to do with, you know, with him abandoning his ethics and me sticking to the game laws. That's just the way it goes. That's just hunting. And, uh, you know, it, is it competitive amongst the hunters? It is. But I'm here to tell you, deer, elk, bighorn, sheep, pheasant hunting, fishing, are all, ex if I go fishing with Jana, okay? If I go she's fishing with you. Def definitely a better fisherman than you. She's a better everything than me, Robbie. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there, okay? She's a better everything than me. If I go fishing with Jana and she catches the bigger fish, you can bet your bottom dollar. I don't want to leave and get out of the boat until I get another big fish that's as big as hers. Because I don't want to stand in the picture at the end of the day, whether it's catfish, whether we're bow fishing for carp, whether we're catching sturgeon. I want my fish that I caught to, to be respectable as hers. And, you know, does it mean she's a better person? Well, she is a better person. Does it mean she's a better fisherman? She is a better fisherman regardless of the fish, but it's still a competitive nature. If we go bird hunting together and you knock down four roosters, bang, 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 and I miss two of them, I don't want to go back to the truck until I have like got back on track. I'm feeling better about myself. I feel like right. my shoe is on track. You know, it's just the competitive nature, human nature that we have. It has not one thing to do with abandoning our ethics. I disagree with that completely. Uh, you know, so deer hunting. If I go hunting deer with my buddy and he shoots a four point that's 28 inches wide, I want one that's 29. If he shoots a but three, that's point, not you abandoning. It's not. It's not me abandoning my ethics. Outcompete the individual. No, it's just you know, of course we want to be competitive. That doesn't mean I'm going to go break any game laws whatsoever to do that. Same way with coyote competitions. You know, do I want to come in and say I had a better day? Yeah. Does it mean I'm a better caller? Sometimes it, you know, I know guys that have been wildly successful at these. They spend every waking minute studying coyotes, studying where they live, studying their diet, studying their vocalizations. You know, uh, everything you, you can possibly think about coyote behavior, people that are successful at hunting coyotes, they do their homework. You can get lucky once in a while and have a good day without doing your homework. But if you're going to have successful days on end, you got to do your homework. And uh, it's guys that have put in the work that know coyotes, that know habitat, that know their prey species. That are successful. It doesn't have one thing to do with abandoning their their ethics or or doing something unsavory or or doing something that the rest of the hunting world would be ashamed of. It's just do you awful. think that uh, we might have killed this dead horse? But I want to just that's okay. Resurrected okay. with one question. That's all right. Based on your experience, because I have none. Okay. Do you see more unethical individuals? come out of the woodwork when there is a contest on the line than when there is not? No. I see more guys who are very dedicated predator hunters that spend a lot of time, like doing the things I just said, doing their homework, scouting. They spend more time on their guns. They make sure they're, they're dialed in. They're very uh, specific about their equipment. If anything, they're, uh, 
they're more serious about how they go about it. You know, more ethical. Eth- I, I would say so. Are they more ethical hunters? They're much ser- more serious hunters uh, because, you know, it takes a lot of work. You're, you're driving a long ways. There's, there's a big investment in miles on your truck, you know, gasoline, hotel rooms a lot of times. So, you know, is it, is it a bunch of drunk guys that just roll out in their, you know, flatbed forward and they're shooting over the cab of the truck? No, sir. Not at all. In fact, I would say it goes the other way. You get a, a lot of times that, you know, it's fathers and sons that just want to come out and meet the other predator hunters and just want to be part of the event. They don't plan on killing anything. If they kill one or two, if they don't see anything, you know, they come to the event at night, they have the barbecue dinner with everybody. They shake hands, you know, they get tips on hunting from the other hunters. And it, that, that's, you know, far more common than, than, uh, you know, unsavory, unethical hunters showing up. I, I would say you get that group of people and then you get a group of people that are really uh, dedicated, uh, love to hunt coyotes, use it as an excuse to travel across the country and maybe hunt in a different part of the country, learn a different part of the country. Uh, you know, I, I will tell you this, Robbie, some of my best friends I have in the hunting community, I met at predator contests, and they are stand-up people. They are stand-up people. And, uh, I, there's guys that I, I talk to on Facebook messenger every two or three days that I consider to be dear, dear friends that are, you know, one of them's a, a, a road contractor. He, he is a pavement contractor. Other guys work for uh, call companies. Other guys are, you know, business ex- executives, but they're, they're passionate predator hunters. And I met them all at contests and they're just there to, for the camaraderie. They're there to match their wits against the coyotes and see how they do against the other hunters. But it's, it's not what I think it's uh, portrayed to be now, not to say it's for everybody. If people don't, you know, don't like to see a lot of dead coyotes laid out or going into the truck for the fur buyer or something, you know, some people, it's just, like I said, my ex-wife, she didn't, it wasn't her thing. Mm-hmm. I understand that. That's, and that's fine. You know, that's fine. But do we need to outlaw it? No, we don't. We're, you're never, you're never going to hurt the coyote population. Hopefully we can suppress it in the places we need to at the times of the year we need to, to help the ungulates so they can be healthy. So the predators can be healthy. That's the optimum goal. But do we, yeah. Are we going to decimate the coyote population? Robbie for years, we could poison them. We did everything we could to eradicate coyotes. And what do they do? They keep growing. And they're living in the cities. They're li- and their their territory spreading. Mm-hmm. You're not going to hurt the coyote population, mm-hmm. you know. And, and uh, if people feel like they're doing, you know, if it's some kind of social cause or some kind of social justice thing to outlaw um, each their own, I don't, I don't agree with it. And I don't think it's necessary. So, yeah, you know, I think it's, I think it comes down to the fact that in every social lifestyle, including hunting. And maybe I, I might have left the, the hardest question for last. Fire um, away, buddy. In any social lifestyle, you have bad apples. Speaking of and apples, have, we can go you, there. <laughs> and you have people that do not represent you and me. <clears throat> I agree. But probably 
and, and more often than not, especially in the social media world that we live in today, get the loudest voice or get the biggest platform or stage because of their antics. And I think that this film shows that, right? It shows, it definitely didn't show, and this is, I'll give Felipe a little bit of credit. Um, obviously, he's a very passionate conservationist. He is against wildlife killing, period. And here's the juxtaposition. He's okay with predator management for a reason, for a cause. I, I, I challenged him. I said, you know, Felipe, I'd love to do a film where I show you the true heart of who hunters are. Not the ones that you filmed, not the ones that you got to know, but the ones that I know. And I think... How do we... How do we we're a minority, John. We Hunting are a community is a minority. We, we have this thing about not calling out our own because we are a minority. Well, and, and you know, we, you bring up a great point because if we fight amongst ourselves, we feel like we're giving ground to the, to the opposition and we're helping those that want to see all of us gone. All the yeah, but this fighting amongst ourselves between bow and rifle and that's a different thing. That's a different that's thing. A and different I'm going to bring up a, a little, since you mentioned apples, you may have heard this here in Utah, we have a bill that went through the legislature. It started out eliminating trail cameras and baiting. It's since been amended. The one that passed uh, outlawed baiting. You can't right. bait big game. You can't shoot big game on their way to or away from. Yeah, and I reached out to you saying I couldn't believe that baiting was still like baiting for elk was even it would a thing. Blow your mind, Robbie! How many people assumed it was illegal? Okay, so now as hunters, I have guys who I respect greatly saying, you know, don't, 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 don't outlaw that. That's how I, you know, I hunt here, I hunt there. Uh, well, then you know, and I tell them. We got to look at ourselves. We've got to be able to police ourselves. And sometimes that leads to very contentious and uncomfortable conversations, right? I look at my buddy and I say, listen, I don't love you any less. I cannot support your methods. Doesn't mean I tell you you can't hunt. Doesn't mean I can't I tell you I'm not trying to shorten your season. I'm not telling you what gun you can shoot. I'm not telling you you can't shoot this deer, that deer. We can't have those big bucks congregating on piles of apples for several reasons. First off, chronic wasting disease is an issue. It's a real issue. And that leads, you know, we're congregating those big bucks, which is the most acceptable to uh, chronic wasting disease. You know, it looks, the optics of it are really bad. It's changing migration corridors because deer don't want to leave the apple piles. You know, there's a lot of reasons uh, it's, you know, private landowners and that, and it brings up another issue. How, you know, where do we draw the line of what we say private landowners can do as opposed to public land? Well, if a private landowner puts an apple pile on his land and it's holding the deer there and the public hunter, you know, 300 yards away, doesn't get a hunt. It, is that fair? Is that ethical? Well, we're all going to play on the same field and we're going to outlaw baiting across the board. First off, it's the best thing for the wildlife and, and I'll talk in, I'll argue with that with anybody till we're blue in the face. Okay. I think for the chronic wasting disease alone, I think it's best for wildlife. 
I think it's the, the fairest way to do it. And uh, even guys I know that baited religiously after it passed called me and said, now that it's over and I don't have to worry about my side of the issue anymore because it's settled, it's better for wildlife. It's better for wildlife. And so, you know, in the end, I think the right thing prevails in most arguments. It doesn't mean we have to destroy each other. It doesn't mean I, if me and you were, if we rode around the truck all day, Robbie, we would have things that we vehemently disagreed on in the hunting right. world. I know we would. I don't know what they are yet, but I'm sure we would find one. Sure. Okay? That doesn't mean I'm going to come back and get on social media and go on an assassin, a character assassination campaign against you. Okay. Some people do. That in itself reflects poorly on hunters. Mm -hmm. I think the best way to have those conversations is, uh, you know, in a private meeting, on the telephone. We, we don't have to hash those things out on social media and kind of, you know, show our dirty laundry to the world. I think, that's a, I think that's a poor strategy. But do we have to fight amongst hunters? If we need to. If we need to. If the issue puts hunting at jeopardy, we need to have those conversations. It's not always pleasant. It's put me at odds with some very dear friends and even family members. But at the end of the day, if we're adults, if we're good people, like I think we all try to be, we can shake hands and sometimes we're just going to agree to disagree. But we do need to have the hard conversations. This conversation we had here tonight is... Uh, is one that I feel, you know, I feel very strongly about. I feel very confident with my position. I know what I believe, and I know why I believe it. You're, you could get a, you could get a hundred coyote callers, hundred coyote hunters in a room, and you're going to get a hundred different opinions as to why they like contests or don't. And doesn't mean they're bad people. Doesn't mean I'm better than anybody else. But as hunters, we need to have the tough conversations. We definitely do. Me and Jana have tough hunting conversations all the time. When you spend as much time in a truck together as me and her, uh, you know, we, there's, there's tactics and, and things that we don't necessarily see eye to eye on. And we have those conversations and we understand each other. And, and, and I learn a lot from these kind of conversations, from talking to people. I don't learn much when I talk to people that agree with me. I learn a lot when I talk to people that see things very differently. So yeah. I appreciate you letting me come on and have this conversation with you. Uh, I well, feel I like I've, I've learned something and I, and you know, I hope somebody that listens to this can, can see things, you know, maybe a little differently. Well, I think that there is, I've, I've said this a lot. I think if the hunting community could just think a little bit more, I think if the hunting community would be willing to have some tough conversations, some iron sharpening iron conversations, which this podcast is all about mm -hmm. and not get their feelings hurt that they're being attacked like today i was on social media poking questions at people hunters because i hold hunters to a higher standard i expect you to have a position and and voice your position and so and i will always challenge and you know and i'll answer this question and then i'll let you answer the question does predator, and, and here's the crux of it, do predator killing contests help or hurt hunting? I could answer it both ways. I yeah, could I say that they help hunting because of 
the predator management in certain areas for the economics tied to that management. I could also say that it hurts hunting when you have unethical hunters breaking laws, shooting up coyotes just because they can, not following up on wounded individuals. And I'm saying things here that happen. Let's be honest. That kind of stuff happens, and there's people out there that like to do it. To me, that hurts us. But that's not just a predator killing contest issue. No. That's a hunting issue. Yeah. I, no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you on some of that, Robbie. I think that uh, not just even in the predator world, if, if uh, whatever hunt we're on, whether it's a bird hunt, a deer hunt, or a predator hunt, we're taking a life. We're taking a life. When you put it that way, it's kind of a, you know, might be a little slap in the face. We're taking a life. That, that life deserves the respect of a clean, humane kill. Uh, the other hunters that, you know, if, if I go out and hunt coyotes, whether it's a contest or whether I'm just out hunting with my dad or my kid on the weekend, when I pull into the gas station, in some little town and they look at me and see that I'm a coyote hunter and it's not hard to tell the way I display those animals the way my truck looks do, do I have blood running down the fenders of my truck have I been laying coyotes on the hood of my truck to take pictures do I look how does it look to somebody that might be on the fence them seeing me is it going to Help give them a bad taste in their mouth because whether it's against coyote hunters or deer hunters or whatnot, they need to be able to look at me and think that I'm at least someone that respects the game that I'm after. It doesn't matter what game it is now. 100%. And so I think that the potential is there with these contests that if we as coyote hunters, and I'll throw myself right in there with all of them, uh, we need to be careful of the content we put out there, especially on social media, because it spreads like wildfire. There are people out there looking for the worst in hunting so that they can blow it up and use it against us. And we can't, you know, what, whether those coyotes that are laying out in those pictures are killed ethically or not, you don't know. All you know is how it looks that split second when you scan past it on social media, right? Right. As hunters, we need, we need to take. I'll say this, we need to take more responsibility to uh, make sure that we are displaying our animals, whatever they are, in this case, coyotes, that we're representing ourselves as sportsmen in a way that, you know, all of us would be okay with and be proud of, and a way that the non-hunting public can, can uh, accept and be okay with, because here's another hard truth, Robbie, the day is coming when the non-hunting public is going to decide our fate. They outnumber oh, us. Yeah, John. It's yeah, exactly, here. exactly. But the uh, they outnumber us. They have way more votes than us. And if they decide they don't like things they we do, and and they get ballot initiatives put on. I mean, you look at you know lion hunting in California. Uh, you know, hound in hunting Colorado. in Washington. All these things. It's happening all over the country. The non-hunting public 
that votes decides our future. What we show them decides how they vote. So it, it's incredibly important. Uh, we need to do a better job. I think as a predator, Hunter and a cow, you know, even having this conversation with you, I'm, I've thought a lot about uh, how we portray ourselves and we need to do better. We need to help our fellow sportsmen, our fellow hunters do better because I don't want my kids to lose out on opportunities that I think are, you know, wonderful and ethical and, and a lot of fun because somebody uh, didn't pay attention to their Facebook content. So. Right. Well, look, man, you know, I love you. I appreciate you allowing me to grill you. No um, problem, buddy. Anytime. And I appreciate your point of view and uh, just thank you. You too, my friend. And I appreciate everything you do. I just want to say this. Uh, Blood Origins is amazing. I love being part of the Blood Origins family. I know Jana does too. I know uh, a lot of people that are part of the family, and we really appreciate the spotlight you're putting on hunting, the importance of of uh, how we hunt, how we how we uh, portray ourselves to the non-hunting public, and uh, you know you're. You're doing a good job. Thanks for all you do. I appreciate your friendship, buddy, and I hope we can do this again. We will. Thank you, brother. All right, buddy. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life.